Hey everyone, thanks for watching. If you'd like to see more Hemisync podcasts, such as Episode 8 with Dean Radin, podcasts that aren't necessarily associated with any particular Hemisync product, but simply feature fascinating guests and subjects associated with the frontiers of consciousness research and understanding, please consider joining our exclusive Patreon page and get some great discounts on Hemisync products in the bargain. Thanks for watching. Hey, thanks for joining us for the Hemisync Podcast. We're joined today by Corinne Zupko. She's author of the book, From Anxiety to Love, and has a new Hemisync release called Releasing Early Morning Anxiety. Corinne is also a counselor, a coach, a professor, a mindfulness instructor, and a full-time student of A Course in Miracles. Please welcome Corinne Zupko. Thanks for joining us. Um, I thought to start, it would be helpful to have some background of A Course in Miracles because that really seems to inform your whole approach to um, spiritual practice and to uh, working with anxiety um, in general. Yeah, so I'm happy to share more about A Course in Miracles, which is a text, it is a book, and this is a channeled work. It is completely transformative. It really mm -hmm. is teaching us a new thought system, a thought system that is different than what we are typically used to in our world. And it's a thought system based on love. So the book itself is divided into three parts. It has a text, which comprises the bulk of the book. The middle part is a workbook. So there is a lesson for every day of the year. So there's 365 lessons to work through, you know, one day at a time. And then in the back of the book is a section called the Manual for Teachers, which mm -hmm. is a more written in kind of like a Q&A format, which is actually the place where I recommend most students begin because mm -hmm. we are all teachers and students at the same time. And it's actually a little bit more digestible than the text, which is a bit theoretical. So um, it is definitely an approach that informs my work because it helped me so tremendously out of my own issues with anxiety. Gotcha. And so the idea is that it was a received teaching by, a, she was named Helen Shuckman, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, it was channeled from Jesus, yeah. right? Yeah. It, that's what is believed. It, um, uh -huh. She believed that to be the voice of Jesus and that's accepted in the course community. Gotcha. And these were published in 1975, mm -hmm. which coincidentally is the same year that the Hemisync pans were filed. So I don't know. They, it's, it's sort of a similar birthday, I guess. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, so very good. Um, and so as, as it pertains to anxiety, what do you think anxiety actually is through your lens? Mm, great question. Anxiety, you know, through, I, I can answer that question in a number of different ways. I think that anxiety is a spiritual problem. I mm -hmm. think we have gone so far away from our truth, which is love mm -hmm. that we end up looking for answers in all the places where we can't find answers. Mm -hmm. We look for peace and happiness outside of ourselves. So, so I feel like the core source of anxiety <laughs> is a disconnection from our sense of spirituality. However, I can also say that the way that anxiety shows up in terms of what it actually is, what the experience is like, it is both mental and physical. So mm -hmm. mentally, it might look like obsessive worry, you know, like lots of fearful thoughts that just totally take over. So you get this sense of tunnel vision where your awareness just constricts and you're only aware of that fear. It also comes out physically. So it might come out 
feeling shaky, feeling like your heart is racing, sweating, trembling, and it's really unpleasant. And Mm -hmm. I spent most of my life um, to this point with significant anxiety issues. And it has been, of Mm -hmm. course, miracles, as you know, that has completely helped me recover. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. I mean, I've actually had friends that have started having panic attacks, like in midlife, really. Um, And so it doesn't necessarily manifest early. It can happen later on. For some people, maybe, maybe it's the opposite. But um, it all kind of has the same fundamental source, I guess, which is this separation um, from source, from God, from love. Um, Very interesting. Uh, So really, then, when we're talking about separation, we're, we're talking about going into ego, right? Yeah, so so this is a course term that I also use in my book, um, which is my book is called From Anxiety to Love. And I like to think about how we have two thought systems in our mind. Mm-hmm. We have a fearful ego thought system, which is the thought system that we're really good at listening to in this world. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the thought system that runs the show <laughs> on a day-to-day basis. And we can all, I think, relate to this. One of the big ways that ego shows up and there's so many, I mean, we can get into fears and anxieties, but a big way that, um, ego shows up is, is specialness. Our desire to want to be, you know, special, more special than others have, have, you know, some achievement that makes us different, live in a really cool place. Um, we could say that that's, that's ego. And this, this part of our mind also is that fearful voice in our minds, that voice that tells us that we need to take care of ourselves because we can't possibly trust you know, the universe, um, it's the thought system of fear that really can take over and take hold. So it feels like it's almost impossible Mm -hmm. to connect with that peace or that voice of love within. Mm -hmm. So that's ego in Mm -hmm. a nutshell. (laughs) And so as you get into fear, um, a lot of that has, um, to do with fear that's, that surrounds our physical body and our, and our own health, right? Um, that's kind of what underlies a lot of it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I think so. I think maybe some of us are more aware of it than others, but Mm -hmm. that was a big way that the ego and the fearful thought system manifested in my experience was because I was a classic hypochondriac. I mean, I would Mm -hmm. feel the tiniest physical symptom and whoop, you know, my mind would go to the worst case scenario. I'd hop on Google, which I think is the worst thing to do. And, and, you know, immediately learn like the worst case scenario and then start obsessing over that. So that definitely those health concerns, fears of bodily sickness, it's really the ego boils down to this belief in a separate self, a belief that this is all there is, that I'm just this body and that's it. And yeah. that, that belief in a separate identity apart from love yeah. is, is this ego. Yeah. And uh, Google and uh, WebMD are great for going into <laughs> full-blown hypochondria. 100%. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've uh, kind of talked about fear and the belief in the body. Um, but you, uh, t- when you uh, talk about separation from love or from God, um, you're really talking about guilt, right? That's kind of the central or one of the central tenets of A Course in Miracles, right? It's this guilt that you experience from turning away from source. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's it. You know, when I first started studying A Course in Miracles and learning about how the Course was saying that we have this unconscious guilt in our minds because we believe we actually pulled off this separation yeah. and, you know, from our source and there's this fearful thought in our minds that's like, oh, God's going to be mad at you. You know, you better feel guilty for what you did. Mm-hmm. And 
that unconscious guilt fuels a lot of conflict and a lot of fear. And of course, you know, from a course perspective, God is only love and wholly loving and is incapable of judgment and condemnation and all the things that, you know, were, were taught, um, which, which the course is saying is actually our projection onto God. But, um, this guilt that we have in our minds is something that is, that we want to allow to come up to bring it to the light to be healed. So it's Mm -hmm. not true. There's no reason for guilt. And yet guilt can be the source of a lot of problems. So it's really important that we sort of, you know, allow it to be exhumed and Mm -hmm. looked at and healed. Right. And so that sort of gets into the next phase of it, I guess. So we take this fear and this guilt and we kind of spit it out there in the form of projections. Right. And so you you want to talk a bit about that and and, uh, how that works? So I give an example in my book, From Anxiety to Love, about projections. And mm-hmm. it, I live in New Jersey, so I live in the mm-hmm. Northeast, and we have cold winters. And I might look out the window in the winter and see a deer or a squirrel and think, oh my goodness, they must be so cold because <laughs> I'm cold, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm sitting you know, inside and maybe feeling a little bit chilly or being outside and feeling chilly. That deer or that squirrel is fine. They've mm-hmm. adapted to the weather, but it's my projection. It's my belief based on my stuff that I'm putting onto the other. So the guilt that this unconscious guilt that we have in our mind, we can't, our our mind is only love. Mm -hmm. And so we can't tolerate that guilt. So we, we project that guilt outward. This is all unconscious. And that projection of guilt outward is what you know, um, we project it onto our brothers, onto yeah. other people, um, all over the place, not seeing that the source is actually coming from this belief in separation right. in our mind. And so we do that because there is presumably some kind of payoff, right? The payoff, yeah, yeah. The payoff is that we get to keep plugging along as in this, you know, world as this separate self and mm-hmm. keeping this whole dream, which is what the course is saying the world is, we, we get to keep this whole dream of separation going uh-huh. by keeping this, you know, this, this part hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we heal it, you know, if we bring it to the light, then we're going to see and know the fact that we are much greater than these bodies. And right. you know, the ego is going to lose some power, which it might not want to. <laughs> right. And so the payoff might be like getting attention or getting power or pleasure or maybe something that feels like love, which is probably what we actually want, but isn't actually love. Yeah, I'm glad that you gave that very practical example because I kind of gave the deeper metaphysical explanation. Uh But the, you know, we do have to look. So for anxiety, for instance, what benefit do I have to keeping it? I realized once I was in high school, I realized once that I had been using sickness for years and years and years to get out of doing things I didn't want to do. Mm. So if I didn't want to, you know, go to a friend's house or go to some social event or do something at school, I would get sick. And hey, suddenly I had a really valid excuse that everybody would (laughs) leave me alone. (laughs) And um, when I realized that I was using, that I was getting a hidden benefit from sickness, I no longer wanted it anymore. And then I stopped getting sick all the time. So anxiety, Uh whatever our issue is, it's really important that we look at what are the positive payoffs that I'm getting yeah. to hanging on to this? Because right. until we look at that, you know, we're going to keep that pattern going. Right. And so you're kind of pointing to a mind-body connection, you know, even a mind-body-spirit connection there. And so what's sort of the way out of this? 
Well, the way out with what I teach and also based on A Course in Miracles is that we have this loving thought system also Mm. in our minds. It's right there always. It is a thought system based on love, on wholeness. It's a thought system that sees the truth. So it Mm -hmm. sees past, you know, the appearances. And the Course calls this the Holy Spirit. I call this your inner therapist. So it's the part of our own mind that remembers truth. And the way out is to turn to this part of our mind mm-hmm. and say, help. You know, that's the simplest prayer. It's just yeah. help. I'm willing to see this differently. Give me a shift. Give me an experience of love instead. So mm-hmm. we're calling on part of our mind that's outside of the fearful thought system to help us heal. And gotcha. that is the way out um, by, by having calling on a part of our own mind outside of the fearful thought system mm-hmm. that knows the truth. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like when you say it's part of your own mind, it's it's actually mind with a capital M, right? Because it's sort of analogous to the Holy Spirit, or maybe depending on what your belief system is, your higher self. Yeah. Um, and so, um, so are we talking about kind of a non-dual way of experiencing ourselves here? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that word up, and I'm glad you emphasized that this is a capital M mind mm-hmm. because. The mind that I think, you know, that I'm, let's say that I'm identified with and that I'm aware of, we could think of as that lowercase m mind. Mm-hmm. The uppercase m mind is this mind that we all share. It's, again, the mind that's outside of time and space, that's yeah. eternal. So the idea of non-duality is that only love is real. Mm-hmm. Only that capital M mind is real. And what we are experiencing is a dream. So mm-hmm. we can actually... Um, learn how to use the vision of your inner therapist, your, the Holy Spirit, your, mm-hmm. your higher mind, whatever you want to call it. We can learn to use that vision here while we're walking around in this world yeah. to tap into this, this awareness that transcends this you know, physical perception. Yeah. Well, I think using that term, inner therapist, can be very useful. Um, because it, it has kind of a clinical overlay to it, right? And a lot mm-hmm. of folks that you know, might be dealing with anxiety, you know, especially acute anxiety, probably have some experience with being in that type of environment, um, a clinical environment. Exactly. Um, and so you propose a series of uh, very specific steps towards doing this, right? Towards working with your inner therapist. I do. And the... I'm also glad that you just brought up that it, you know, is is clinical um, sounding in nature because one of the course quotes that I love, it says that the Holy Spirit is the only therapist. (laughs) Doesn't mean we can't benefit from earthly therapy, of course, because Mm -hmm. I feel like when we're too blocked to hear um, that voice of love, when we're so caught in fear, spirit can speak through another person like a therapist. So it's not, you know, one or the other. It can be both. But learning to tap into and work with this inner therapist is... Mm -hmm really incredibly healing. And so these steps, it, it really boils down to three steps, but I flush it out into many more because we like to make things so complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, the three steps are, um, finding your willingness mm-hmm. to see your issue, to see anxiety differently, mm-hmm. giving that willingness over to your inner therapist and asking for a miracle, which is yeah. a, you know, a shift in perception or an experience of love. And then trusting that we've, we've, hand it over. But that's so simple. We can like go bum, bum, bum. Okay. I did it. Nothing happened. Now what? (laughs) And that's why I flesh out these, these steps a bit more because sometimes we need to look at 
things from a bunch of different angles before we start to feel some movement, some right. relief. So, um, yeah, so, so some of the additional steps and shifts, of course, I talk, mm -hmm. I break down willingness and talk about willingness a lot in the book. And it's all about, um, our willingness to see things differently. Right. So loosening our perceptions from how they are to open up to something much greater. Um, another step that I share is committing to an attitude of radical self-honesty. And I mm -hmm. love this step because if you think about it, those fearful thoughts that we all know can be so fleeting and so, um, icky sometimes, for instance, if it comes out in the form of judgmental thoughts, maybe mm -hmm. we see something on Facebook and we're like, you know, we judge really quickly. And those thoughts actually don't do good things for us. And if we quickly push them out of awareness, it's like we've just swept them under the rug. Yeah. Instead, we have to be radically honest and say, I just had this really yucky thought go through my head. Mm -hmm. Spirit, inner therapist, higher mind, whatever you want to call it. Right. I'm going to give this thought to you and I want to shift instead. You know, give me a miracle instead. Yeah. I want to exchange this. So this radical, this idea of radical self-honesty is really key yeah. to be honest with ourselves and honest with our inner therapist as well. So is it fair to say that it's a it's also a different way of saying that no thought goes unexamined you're you're looking at it directly um, with an open mind so you're willing to see it differently and to also give it over to your inner therapist yeah um, and then asking for the miracle yeah absolutely yeah no thought goes unexamined i I like that I think that's very fair to say and it speaks to the vigilance that of course, miracles is teaching us to have um, with watching our minds because when they start to, when we hang on to, you know, one judgmental thought or one fearful thought, we don't realize sometimes how quickly we spiral down into just like the basement of the ego, yeah. <laughs> lost in fear. And I have a great example. Can I share a really practical Please. example? Yeah. Um, I, it's rare nowadays that I have a bad day. And mm -hmm. a couple weeks back, I was having a day where it seemed like everything was going wrong. Literally everything I was touching would like break. I dropped my smoothie in the morning all over the floor. Um, I realized that these peach trees that we planted in the spring, which were actually growing peaches the first year we planted them, which I was oh. so surprised about. Yeah. A squirrel knocked every single peach off the tree, like every single one. Um, I was finally so frustrated and fed up that I decided to go visit my husband who was working up at the beach. And as I was driving there, he called and said he got off work early and he was heading home. So we were literally like passing each other like this. And I was just like, what is going on? Like this day is just like, everything's going wrong. And I stopped and I asked, I said, okay, I'm going to pause. What, where did I go wrong? There's a prayer in A Course in Miracles that begins I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. Mm -hmm. And I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. So if I must have decided wrongly, where did I decide wrongly? Yeah. And the thought that came to me was that the day before, I had lapsed into some hardcore big-time judgment over some people that I know who um, had a political stance that, that didn't resonate with me. And I latched into judgment and I just like, you know, I was, I was stuck in it. And then wow. I forgot. And it was then that I started that 
spiral staircase, slip and slide all the way down into the ego basement. And then that's how it was showing up in my day. So once I realized that I went back to that, you know, experience and I said, all right, even with the judgment, I'm, I'm willing to see this differently. And I was able to hand that over and my whole day went back to how it usually was, which was nice and and smooth. I think I had to burn off some steam still by going for a long walk, but um, it's that powerful. It's that powerful. So that's fascinating. So you traced back a series of unfortunate events, you know, <laughs> lemony snickets, uh, back to a fixated mindset from the previous day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think we often don't realize like how fixed we are in our beliefs and in things that we are so sure are correct or right. Um, and so, you know, again, that goes back to the willingness and how tough just that willingness can be to, to, to see things differently. And one of the tricks that you proposed, which I liked a lot, was being willing to be or, or be willing to be willing, which yeah. kind of removes it one step, but seems a yeah. lot easier. <laughs> it okay, does okay. because if we use our radical honesty, yeah. right? I could have thought about that situation where I lapsed into judgment at the time and asked myself, am I willing to see them differently, to see this differently? Mm-hmm. And if I'm radically honest, sometimes the answer is going to be no. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see them differently because they're wrong and I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> so that little trick of, well, am I willing to be willing to mm-hmm. see it differently? Well, yeah, I'm willing to be willing. And then there's that tiny willingness. And that's all we need mm-hmm. to make room for big shifts, to, right. to make room for big miracles to come in instead. So you kind of stuck with your present experience, you know, looking very directly and honestly at what was coming up for, for you and traced it back to the root cause. Mm-hmm. And so you, you make the distinction between fixing things and healing things. And this seems like maybe a good uh, point at which to go into that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. So there is a difference between fixing, let's say, anxiety versus mm-hmm. healing it. Yeah. Fixing anxiety is what actually most of us want, meaning we want the symptoms to go away. We want the unpleasant stuff to go away and we want to maintain everything else exactly as it is. So Mm -hmm. this sense of separate identification, we want to keep it intact, but just have no problems, you know, have no symptoms. So that's fixing things, which leads to an experience of something like a leaky pipe where, okay, maybe we fix a symptom over here. But then it just kind of changes form and then springs a leak in another place. So we're constantly putting out fires. Right. Healing, however, is different because healing not only is about the reduction of symptoms, but healing is about a shift in identification Mm -hmm. with who it is that we think that we are. So I like to think about it as a shift in identification from a small S self Mm -hmm. to a capital S self. So Mm -hmm. rather than just identifying as me, as Corinne, and this is all, you know, there is, I'm through miracles, through experiencing love, through experiencing, you know, divine guidance, I'm learning to trust that there is a greater identification that I am very much a part of and that that's actually who I am. So this sort of transfer of trust is gradual. It doesn't happen overnight, Uh but that's where healing comes in because our separate that that again going back to this belief in separation yeah our sense of separation from god starts to heal and yeah. that's where healing really really comes in it's not right. just fixing symptoms right and so here i guess is where it splits from conventional therapy or psychology a little bit because 
the conventional therapy seldom doesn't or seldom gets to the root cause. It's more about fixing things. Right. So you get to keep your egoic identifications and what you think are the goodies and the payoffs and tr just try to get rid of the symptoms of, you know, having that mindset. Exactly. Um, as opposed to trying to get to the source of it um, and the root of it. Yeah. Um, and, and I can agree with that. I'm, I'm a licensed counselor, so I can say uh -huh. that, you know, I was in the business um, of fixing egos for, yeah. for a time, but I do believe that, you know, there are therapists out there for sure that are willing to go to this place mm -hmm. um, with clients, but conventionally just as a whole, you're absolutely right. It's been about symptom reduction and not about healing this belief in, in separation. Yeah. So even still though, therapy can still be very helpful for many. So we right. have to certainly honor that. I think it's interesting how you make the point as well that depression is an inevitable consequence of separation. Um, yeah. So that's actually from a course quote, a quote uh -huh. from A Course in Miracles that says something to the effect of um, depression, anxiety, a sense of loss, that these are all inevitable consequences of the separation. And if you yeah. think about it statistically in our world, I mean, statistics for depression, for anxiety, they're, they're really high. There isn't... Yeah. Somebody, I think, on this planet who doesn't have some sense at times of yeah. loss or feeling, you know, wondering who they are, feeling lost, or again, feeling anxious. I think that anxiety can come out on a continuum. I was at the high end of the continuum with the panic attacks and, you know, the generalized anxiety, mm -hmm. the phobias. But at the low end of the continuum, I think we can all relate to that, which is just um, maybe a feeling of antsiness, feeling yeah. like you can't sit still and need to be busy. Um, because you just can't sort of be in the moment. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's all an inevitable consequence of this belief in separation from our source. Mm -hmm. That is really interesting. So yeah. your book is called From Anxiety to Love. The hemisync exercise that you've done with us is called Releasing Early Morning Anxiety. And, you know, I'm struck by how we share a, a, a lot of common language with you. So kind of you know, first and foremost is this belief that you're more than your physical body, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, also does not fit with conventional therapy, because mm -hmm. I think that belief is actually like one of the ways that they diagnose anxiety, right? It's, yeah. Yes. They, <laughs> they, they call it depersonalization, I guess. Yeah. When you yeah. feel the two of the symptoms of um, that you can have in a panic attack are derealization and depersonalization. Mm -hmm. So feeling that the world isn't real yeah. and feeling that, you know, you're not your body. So you're yeah. absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's one. And, and, and then also is this, you know, general attitude that you don't know and that it's OK not to know. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that can fuel curiosity, you know, curiosity about your present experience and actually wanting to kind of go into it and, you know, stay with it. Um, and then there's also this kind of concept of dropping in when that when that happens for you. So I think, you know, the egoic orientation is to be kind of up and out. You know, what's good, what's interesting, what's going to fulfill me is out there. Mm -hmm. But you're talking more about kind of coming in, dropping down and in. Um, which I think also fits with kind of how we look at things. Yeah, um, yeah. And also this, you know, this willingness to look directly at what's coming up for you, mm -hmm. um, as well as this notion that the belly breath is the anchor to the present moment. I just did that right when you said it. Yeah. <laughs> 
that yeah. ability. Yeah, we, we do share a lot of common language, which is really, really fun mm-hmm. um, to to know. And I just that's why I'm just so excited to um, bring together, you know, these these pieces with Hemisync's work and, you know, with these ideas from my book and from the mm-hmm. course yeah. for helping people with healing early morning anxiety, because that was something that I struggled with for years. And it yeah. is uncomfortable to wake up in a state where you feel like, you know, something's gripping your chest or your yeah. throat is really tight. And it's just this anxiety that sometimes feels like it's out of the blue. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost surprising to wake up that way, especially when you went to bed feeling peaceful. So, yeah. so, so tell us a bit about it. How did it come together? What's the inspiration for it? Thank you. So the inspiration for the exercise really was born out of my mission to help people with healing anxiety and mm-hmm through my own issues with early morning anxiety, which as I've referenced already, I came from the high end of the anxiety spectrum. I would be visited by early morning anxiety for years um, with no, with sometimes with no seeming cause. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there wasn't anything happening in my life. I didn't have something. Sometimes I did have something coming up maybe, but um, it would sometimes just be anxiety out of the blue. And so um, the work that I've done with this, I know strikes a chord with many people. One of my video blogs on healing early morning anxiety has tons of views. I know that this is a topic that many people struggle with. And so when, you know, we connected, I just knew like what, what could be something that could be helpful to as many people as possible with, you know, whatever their issue may be. And this early morning anxiety, I felt like the inspiration really came through guidance that this is what, you know, uh-huh. this is what it, it's going to um, be because with your technology, um, you know, I, I just felt so incredibly inspired and hopeful that this can be helpful to a lot of people. Well, that's great. I mean, we thought the subject matter would be a perfect fit. Um, so I hope people like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once again, Corin's book is called From Anxiety to, From Anxiety to Love. I have it right here. Check it out. <laughs> Um, and the, and the exercise that we did with her is called releasing early morning anxiety. Let us know what you think. Leave a comment. If you liked this podcast, thought it was helpful, please share it up. Give us a like. Um, and thanks for joining us. And thank you once again, Corin, for, uh, working with us. Thank you so much. And I, can I just share one more thing? Yeah, please do. Actually two more things. Yeah. I just wanted to speak to anybody who doesn't resonate with the word God. Mm -hmm. Um, because of course there's many people who don't believe in God and that's totally fine. What I say is always to just keep in mind, can you resonate with love? Can you Mm -hmm. resonate with, you know, an experience of love that we all share? And that's enough. You know, you Mm -hmm. don't have to believe in God, which I make very clear in my book. I do not believe is a dude with a white beard, you know, (laughs) sitting upstairs. I think it is love and loving. So I wanted to just speak to that for anybody who doesn't relate to, um, that language, which of course I keep neutral, you know, in, in the exercise. And the other thing that I just wanted to add, and I love, um, this is my sort of closing, um, inspiration takeaway. I love to remind people that the light in you is too bright to fail. Mm -hmm. These were words that my stepdad said to me when I was knocked out on the couch with anxiety. And so I always love to remind people that the light in you Mm -hmm. is too bright to fail. Mm -hmm. Um, especially with, you know, partnering with Hemisync, we have tools and techniques that work to really heal um, fear and anxiety and our sense of separation. So thank you. Thank you.